Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. If you would turn on your Bibles with me to John chapter 15, we're going to begin reading at verse number 15. And the Word of God says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give you. Verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now in our text, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the final moments of his ministry on earth. And we are allowed this awesome opportunity to listen, not at what Jesus was preaching to the multitudes, but what he was preaching to his inner circle, his posse, if you will. Jesus is talking to his disciples, not the multitudes, his disciples. And, and what we're looking at here is strong meat. We're not looking at baby food. We're not looking at soft mush. We're not looking at pablum. You're listening to the intense word that is being given to the apostles that's going to prepare them to face the afflictions of the coming day. And he is teaching them something that I'm really not sure that the church has totally learned today. Jesus is teaching them relationship. Relationship. Now, we have to understand the significance of relationship because how one thing relates to another has direct proportionality with function and then productivity. You cannot have reproduction where there is no relationship. And so in the first part of John chapter 15, Jesus talks to them about relationship so that ultimately he might bring them to the point of reproduction in the end of our text. And so Jesus wants the disciples to understand who they are in relationship to him. And today he wants you and I to understand who we are in relationship to him. Jesus says in verse number five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, if you don't understand your place in the kingdom, you're going to find yourself trying to do things that only God can do. I mean, there are so many Christians that are frustrated because we're spending all of our energy trying to be our own God. Now, we may not admit it, but that's what we're doing. Because we're trying to solve our own problems, we're trying to answer our own prayers, we're trying to climb up the ladder of our own self-made success, we're trying to bless ourselves, we're trying to heal ourselves, and we're trying to encourage ourselves. So what are we doing? We are trying to cover up for God because God is not doing it quick enough for our schedule. We're in a hurry, God. You need to move. And so we stand in like the substitute teacher, trying to make God look good to the world through our human efforts. And it's not going to happen, folks. Because it's not by power, it's not by might. 
It's only going to happen again by the power of the Spirit, says the Heavenly Father. And so Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch. And he says, all you have to do is hang on to me and stay connected. All you have to do is find your place in the kingdom and trust me to give you what you need. I will supply all of your needs, not according to your circumstance, not according to your bank account, not according to your abilities, but according to my Father's riches and glory. Make no mistake, friend, Almighty God has promised to bless you. What does that mean? That means if you need water, you don't need to check the forecast to find out whether it's going to rain or you don't need to get out the sprinkling system because you are not fed through that which comes from the external. You are fed from that which abides in the internal. But you see, the important thing is that you've got to stay connected to the vine. You have to have a true God connection. I'm not talking about a church connection. I mean, there are so many people that are connected to the church and they're not connected to God. Now, there's nothing wrong with the organism of the church. We believe in the church. The church is the building block of what Jesus left here on earth. But there can be problems with the church organization. For example, the structure, the order, the religiosity, the man-made rules that take precedence where there is no God at all operating in the church. In a situation like that, in a church like that, what happens? Well, people struggle for positions. And so many times, like King Saul, we're worried about our position with God instead of being like David who was worried about nothing but the presence of God in his life. Hardly ever hear anyone praying, oh, Lord, make me better. Lord, make me better. What do we hear? Most of the time we're praying, Lord, make me bigger. Not around the belly. Lord, make me bigger. Lord, make me more successful. Lord, open doors for me. But Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. In Romans chapter 11, verse 19, the apostle Paul talks about that branches were broken off. In other words, talking about Israel. And the reason they were broken off, that we, the Gentiles, you and me, might be grafted in. That's the promise of all promises right there. And anytime something is grafted in, that means that the bark of the vine has to be cut so that the new branch can be connected. Well, with that in mind, what did Isaiah 53 say? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Thank God for the Roman soldier that pierced him in his side because that man opened up the way that I might be grafted in to the covenant of Abraham and receive the blessings of the Lord. I don't deserve it, but friend, I am blessed. I didn't earn it, but I am blessed. It is not my performance. It is not my flesh. It is not me. It is not my 
wonderful, sweet smile, but I am blessed. I am a blessed branch because I am connected to the blessed vine. I am blessed. And so you have to know where your help comes from. Have to know who you're connected to. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. What does that mean? That means that we're blessed through the vine. I'm healed through the vine. I'm delivered through the vine. I prosper through the vine. My promises are in the vine. My future is in the vine. Whatever I need is in the vine. And if he's going to do it again, it's going to be because I stay connected to the vine. We just have to stay connected. In fact, the word grafted means to be meshed in, to be tied in, to be knotted together until the cells of the branch and the vine have fused together and you have become one with the Lord, together with Christ. But what do we do? I mean, Instead of us trying to be meshed in and tied together to become one with God, we spend all of our energy trying to be meshed in, tied in, and fitted in with people in the world. At the end of the day, your feelings are hurt, your mind is upset, your stomach is upset, your spirit is confused because when the people are through with you, when the world is through with you, they just simply throw you away. But yet we spend all of our time trying to be part of the herd. But praise God, if you ever get tied into Jesus and you are meshed into him, those storms rage in your life, you will always be fed. Whether you're on the mountaintop, whether you're deep in the valley, whether you're in the belly of the fish, whether you're cooking s'mores in the fiery furnace, it is God going before you. It is God providing your way. God is the vine. And we are the branch. Now we hear that and we praise God and we shout hallelujah. It's easy to preach the blessings. But then we struggle when we get to verse 2 of chapter 15 where Jesus says, Even the good branch in me that bears fruit, my father prunes. That doesn't sound very fun to me. The Father prunes so that it might bear more fruit. Now, we can get excited about the more fruit business. Oh, yeah, give me more fruit. But now that pruning stuff, mm, I, you know, I'm not too sure about that. Jesus says the branch may not be cut away, but it's going to be cut back. Why? So it'll produce more fruit than just warming the pew and trying to stay awake one or two Sundays a month. There's all different kinds of fruit. Going to be pruned so you can produce more fruit than just giving a nod to God when you need something. You didn't think this was going to be easy today, did you? 
You know, that's what the church doesn't talk about. We talk about addition, but we don't talk about subtraction. We talk about multiplication, but we don't talk about division. We don't tell people that you can be a good branch tied into the good vine. You can even be producing some fruit, but you still get pruned. Every branch that bears fruit, I prune, I purge it, I cut it back. God says, I've got a plan for you, but I'm still going to prune. There's a promise over your life, but I'm still going to cut and trim. And when it happens, my goodness, I mean, we go into shock. Because all the promises that we want to read, everything we like to hear, everything that tickles our ears, talks about abundance. And when you first got the prophecy about how great you're going to have it when you become a Christian, you shouted all over the church because you did see a few little grapes. And then you rationalized in your own mind that in a few years, if you held on to those few little grapes, you might be able to make some grape jelly or maybe even some grape jam. But then right in the middle of your grape plan, you lose the grapes. Branches are cut back. Well, all of a sudden, you don't look so good. And one thing, one thing we Christians hate to do is look bad. We have to look good at all costs. I mean, we don't have to feel good. We don't have to be good. But by golly, we have to look good. Our pride won't let anyone know that we're having a bad day. Hey, we won't even come to church if we're having a bad hair day. But God says, if you're going to walk with me, sometimes you're going to look bad. If you're going to walk with me, sometimes you're going to be put on display. Because I'm going to cut you back, I'm going to prune you, and you're going to see decrease. Something that you thought would always be there is going to go, and you're just going to have to trust me when things look like they're going backwards. Now, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Anybody can believe God when things are going forward. That's easy. But it takes real faith to believe God when things are retreating. You have to make up your mind, are you going to believe God or not? Now, he said, I am not a man that I should lie, nor the son of man that I should repent. The question is today, do we believe him? Well, Sharon does. I don't guess anybody else does. You and me, sister. But see, that explains why. Those of you who are sitting there, that explains why that you're trying so hard to hold on to the little fruit you have by spending all of your energy trying to keep something that God wants to cut. Stressed out, nervous breakdowns, heart attacks, trying to hold on to a little fruit. And what are we doing? We are saying, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it work. I am going to make myself and my life better. Am I preaching to anyone here today? 
Well, the reason people do that is because they really don't believe that if they lose it, that God's going to give them anything else. They think God's a one and done. One hit wonder. Got a few grapes, that's all you're going to get. But I dare you to make up your mind today that if my fruit goes, God will provide me something else. We need to pray for the spirit of release and get to the point where we are able to let things go. We need to have the faith to open our hand and say, God, I trust you when my fruit goes. I trust you when people go. I trust you when relationships go. I trust you when jobs go. Because at the end of the day, if I really need it, I'm not going to lose it because God said he will supply all of my needs. So I must not really need it. So Lord, I open my hands to you. Do whatever you want to do. Send whoever you want to send. Take away whatever you need to take away because Jesus, I'm going to praise you when it comes. I'm going to praise you when it goes because my hope is built on nothing less than the blood and Jesus' righteousness. I need to sit down. I'm out of breath. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it takes faith to have peace during difficult times. It takes faith to keep a cool head in the storm. It takes faith to take bad news and keep a good attitude. It takes faith to stop trying to manipulate your life and everyone in it to try and make it turn out how you want it to turn out and take a step back and let God do it. Now that takes faith. Now the Bible promises going from faith to faith and from glory to glory. but you didn't pop out of your mama's belly and start riding a skateboard. You took baby steps. And you make progress, spiritual progress in stages. You can't step up to the fifth step with one foot still on the first step. And so you have to let go of then to grab a hold of now. And some of you are aborting your own destiny because you keep trying to save what God has pruned. Because you see, just as fruit comes in seasons, there are seasonal blessings in your life. There are people and situations that God sends into your life for a particular time. And you're not going to be able to hold on to them for the rest of your life, but God uses those people, he uses those circumstances as a bridge or a catalyst to get you from this degree of faith to this degree of faith. But we try to hold on to something in our life that God has finished with. And he says, no, 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 because I want to take you from fruit to more fruit. What does that mean? That means it's pruning time. Yes, it's pruning time. I mean, wouldn't it blow the devil's mind if something that he thought was really important to you was cut away and you didn't freak out? 
You didn't trip out on high heat overload. You didn't have a nervous breakdown. And you went ahead and you came to church with your dancing shoes on and you put your 10-stringed instruments in high gear and you begin to praise God with reckless abandon. Satan would have a stroke. You would do us all a favor. But what you're saying by your actions is, God, I trust you when I can't trace you. You're saying, God, you don't have to explain the plan to me because I already know that you've given me the purpose. And the plan is just the process that's going to bring me to the purpose. And I know that my purpose that you've given stands true in my life. So, Lord, whichever way you want to take me, when it's all said and done, all things are going to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purposes. So in John chapter 15, well, I'm glad you like it because we're going to be here for a while. Starla, don't believe what he tells you I said about your birthday. I, I, I didn't say anything about it. I didn't tell him how old you were. I just said that you're having a happy birthday. So don't you believe anything anyone tells you. Now, now I'm in the pulpit, so I can't be lying. Hush. Hush. So in John chapter 15, God wants to get, get, God wants to get us through three stages. He says from fruit in verse 16 to more fruit in verse 2 to much fruit in verses 5 and 8. God says, I want you to be so blessed that you live in the land of much. Now, when we hear the land of much, what are we seeing? Dollar signs. Isn't that just human nature? But you know what? In places in Africa, you know what they see when we say land of much? Oh, man. I get dinner tonight. Am I stepping on anyone's toes yet? So what God is saying is he just doesn't want us blessed with things and there is nothing wrong with things. Do not misunderstand me, but that is not the be-all, end-all. God wants us blessed in our spirit. He wants us blessed in our wisdom. He wants us blessed in our attitude. Did you know that being blessed is contagious? I mean, you can tell when the spirit of blessing is on someone. And then the other side of the coin is you can tell when you sit beside someone who's hateful too, can't you? <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't see what I'm seeing. You know, all the people who are sitting like this looking at me. Hey, I know who you are. No, you know, you're not fooling me. You're not fooling God either. But when I said that, they all went. They didn't want anyone to think they're hateful. But Jesus said, I'm going to take you from fruit to more fruit to much fruit. He says in verse 7, if you abide in me, what that means is if you can stick it out. If you can take a licking and keep on ticking. 
If you can see things and people and circumstances come and then watch them go and still stick around and follow me, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. Mm. Okay, well, my introduction is over, so now I'm starting my message. And so the clock starts now. Though it's just been introduction up until then. You think I'm kidding. <laughs> Folks, there is a greater degree of power that are given that is given to survivors. There's a greater degree of power given to people who persevere, to people who stand firm. There is a difference in the anointing when you've gone through the furnace of persecution and destruction, but yet you refuse to die. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. The anointing is expensive. The anointing will cost you something. And if we ever get tired of this little cutesy, hotsy, totsy Sunday morning anointing and we will get some real power of the Holy Ghost down in our hearts, it will cost you too much to let something get on your nerves that will make you lose the anointing. Whenever we pray, pay the price for God to do it again, we are not going to let the things that bother us continue to bother us because we don't want to go back to where we were. We want to go to more fruit and much fruit. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Then Jesus says in verse 15, what I'm telling you is that your relationship with me has changed. What Jesus is saying is now I had to take you through the servant stage to see if you were going to stay with me. I had to take you through the servant stage to see if you would trust me when you didn't know the whole story. I had to see if you could shout through the tears. I had to see if when your feelings were hurt, you would still come back to church. I had to see, could you go through the embarrassment of being pruned but still clap your hands and praise me? And because you did, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but now I call you my friend. And so now at this stage of our relationship, I'm going to unveil my purpose and my plan to you. And now you can tell when the nature of your relationship with God changes because you start getting what I call a crazy praise, an insane praise. Now, now a normal praise is when you get a blessing and you know what that blessing is. And so you praise God based on the, uh, you praise God on the basis of what you received. But I want you to know a crazy praise is when all hell is breaking loose and you ought to be crying but because you know that you know that you know that God holds you in the palm of his hand, you praise God anyway. It doesn't make any sense for you to be praising him, going through everything you're going through, but you know that when it's all over, God is going to bless you. God is going to bring you through. And so we praise him on credit. It is hard, friend, to praise God on credit. At the midnight hour, when it is black, 
It is bleak. It is desolate. And you can still muster a praise to God for what he's going to do. That's when you praise God on credit. Okay, Jesus says, since we're friends, all things I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. Jesus said, I haven't spoken out of my own thought. Whatever I heard from my Father, that's what I've shared with you. And he said, at this stage in your life, at this stage in our relationship, the secret of the Lord is going to wreck your life. It's going to revolutionize you. And it's this secret that's going to give you a crazy praise. It's this secret that's going to make you be able to smile in the face of calamity. You want to know what it is? Nobody wants to know what the secret is? Man, you guys are a tough crowd. It's why you're going to be able to hear bad news, but yet still feel good. You see, because when you know the secret, you're, you're not going to react like you used to react. And that means the things that used to get on my nerves doesn't get on my nerves anymore. It means my sister doesn't scare me anymore. It means what the politicians are doing to this country doesn't keep me up at night anymore. It's that the things that used to bother me don't, won't bother me anymore. Why? Because God has let me in on the secret that no weapon formed against me will be able to prosper. Oh, I get it. I should have had a V8. I get it. I know what you're saying. You're saying, come on, Mike. That's no secret. That's nothing new. I mean, we've heard that our entire church life. We know that. Okay. Then why aren't you living it? You get smug with me, I'll show you. Why aren't you living it if you know it? Why do you walk around with your face so long that an Arkansas mule walks up to you and says, Hi, cousin? Hey, bro. If no weapon formed against you will prosper, why are you so stressed out that you pop meds like they're MMs? Is anyone hearing me preach today? Why do you drown your pain by eating too much, drinking too much, or screaming too much if you know that no weapon formed against you will be successful? Well, the reason we know this scripture, but we don't live this scripture, it's twofold, and I'm going to try to hurry. Oh, because, because some people aren't interested like you are to hear the whole Word of God. Some people are more interested in getting a hamburger, and they want to beat the Baptist and all the other churches that start at 1030, and that's when we start at 11, to be out at 1130 so we can get to lunch before all the other churches. But sometimes it goes a little bit long, but they're not interested in that. They want to get their belly full. 
I appreciate you asking. Get that off my chest. So the reason we know this scripture, but we don't leave this scripture, is number one, we tend to wrestle with low self-esteem. Now, don't worry, I'm not turning into Oprah. This is not an Oprah moment. But as Christians, it is hard for us to believe that God would care enough to become personally involved in our predicament. And so that's why we keep trying to fix it ourselves. Because, well, let's be honest, we're not important enough to really get God's attention to help us. But you see, God says, you didn't choose me. What? What do you mean I didn't choose you? I mean, I'm the one who got up and walked to the altar. I'm the one who got down on my knees and said the prayer, and I'm the one who got saved, didn't I? God says, no, you didn't. God says, I put the desire in your heart to come to church that day. I brought you through your trials and your traumas for you to be able to get there. I brought you to the right church at the right time to hear the right message. I put faith down in your heart to be saved. The real truth is, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Friend, you're chosen. You are chosen. You realize that? That means that nobody can do what I can do like I can do it. That means I don't have to be jealous of anyone because nobody beats me being me. You can't be copied. You can't be mimicked. You can't be duplicated. You have your own anointing and you have your own style. And the translation is be yourself. I'm chosen. I don't have to be intimidated by anyone because I'm chosen. I don't have to be afraid of anything because I'm chosen. I don't have to compete with anybody because I am chosen. And I want you to know something, friend. When you're chosen, you don't have to be the biggest and the baddest. God loves to take less and do more. The armies of Israel went after Goliath with all of their swords and their shields and their chariots, and Goliath just laughed at them. But David took a rag and a rock, a child's toy, and with God, he got the job done. David was chosen. And friend, you are chosen. I want you to know God picked you before Grandpa ever even looked at Grandma. God chose you before the foundations of the world were laid. Well, the foundation of the world was way before you were in your mother's womb, so that, that would, that's a good observation. But remember, we suffer from low self-esteem. And so it's easy uh, for us to think, well, I'm not anything great. He's talking about Billy Graham. He's talking about Oral Roberts. He's talking about Dan Schaefer. I mean, I'm, I'm not anything great. How can I be chosen? Obviously, you haven't met my sister. But, just kidding, just kidding. 
Some of you have been chosen. Hey, wait, 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 wait. You guys are going to be up here a long time. I, I, I'm, I'm not shutting it down. I'm not, you know, I'm feeling ornery today. And if, if you guys need to go, it's okay. I'm going to preach about you next time, but it's okay. It's okay. How much more do I have? I'm not much, not much. Just hang with me. But you, you, you know, you, you, think, you think you're not anything special. But I want you to know today that, that you have been chosen to raise a special child. No one has the anointing to raise that child but you. You're chosen. Maybe you were chosen to live with that person that other people simply couldn't live with. Don't look at your spouse. Just keep your head straight forward. Don't look at your spouse. Think about it. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I mean, look around. Look around. Do you see another you in this room? There is no one like you in the world. In some instances, that's a good thing. But it's still a fact. And what that means is you have absolutely no competition to be who God created you to be. You are a designer's original. You are custom made. You are predestined and predetermined to fit in a particular place in God's history where no one else can fit but you. Someone may be able to wear your shoes, but they will never be able to fill your shoes to do what God has chosen you to do. You have a special anointing. Every person in this room today has a special anointing. And you have the anointing to change the world around you. You may not change the world in Africa. You may not change the world in China. But you have the anointing to change the world around you. And God's anointing knows you. You are known in the spirit world. And what God has chosen you to do, what God has chosen you to be, no devil in hell can steal it if you don't let him. You see, God's plan for you, God's plan for you is a chess match. He uses planned and strategic moves to set you up for success. God knows when to test you, the pruning stage. But God also knows when to bless you, the much fruit stage. And friend, you are chosen and the hand of the Lord is on your life. So that's why no weapon formed against you will prosper. But like I said, some have difficulty in living and believing that scripture because of low self-esteem in God. We really have a hard time believing that he really knows how many hairs are on our head. Now, now, of course, we, we believe that he could know. But he's too busy with the important things. Important things, the, the storm down in Texas. 
the Mayweather-McGregor fight. You know, the important things going on in the world today. You know, you know God concerns himself with that stuff to recount every time we comb our hair. That's what we think. If we didn't think that, then we would act different. We'd put a smile on our face. We would know that God loves us no matter what we go through. But then here's the other thing, and I'm hurrying. You know, a lot of times when we're blessed, when we get to the much fruit stage, well, let's be honest. We're too stressed to be blessed. Have you ever felt, have you ever been blessed but not feel blessed? Have you ever been in a place where you really can't enjoy the blessings because you're so tired from the struggle? Because it's true, friend. You know, sometimes success doesn't taste like success because you've had the taste of pain in your mouth for so long. And sometimes the pruning puts us in a self-imposed shock. We just can't believe it. Now, Shock is what the body goes into to protect itself from feeling any further pain. And so we say, well, Lord, if I'm so blessed, why do I feel so bland? If things are supposed to be going right, why do they feel so wrong? Because you're in spiritual shock. And because you're in spiritual shock, you've forgotten that Jesus has chosen you. And that whatever you ask the Father in His name, He will do. But you see, the issue is that it just may not be according to your timetable. And so what we've done is we, we build up a defense system to keep ourselves from disappointment. You've been through storms, you've been through rain, you've faced some bad days, but yet that defense system keeps you from believing that you are chosen and ultimately when it's all said and done that no weapon formed against you will prosper. But friend, God is not a man that he should lie. And God has promised that he will bless you. And the fact is, if you're honest, every person here would have to admit that God has blessed you. And I'm here to tell you today that God is going to continue to bless you. If Satan could have taken you out, he would have already done that. But he couldn't because you're chosen. But there are times when all of us go through pruning. But it's not without purpose. You see, Hebrews 12, 11 says, No chastening is joyful for the present. It's even painful. Nobody likes a trip to the woodshed. But nevertheless, nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable what? Fruit of righteousness. And after we've been trained by it, God says, Now I can open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not be able to contain. That's when God can say, I'm going to bless you going in and I'm going to bless you going at, coming out. God says, I am going to bless you in the city and I'm going to bless you in the field. 
if you don't give up on me. If you stay connected to the vine. Because don't ever forget. Don't ever forget. God says, I chose you. Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me. Sorry. I'm so sorry that I've gone long. But friend, I want you to know the hand of the Lord has been on you all of your life. It was there in your pain. It was there in your struggle. It was there in the divorce, in the bankruptcy. The hand of the Lord was there in your fear. It was there in your crisis. It was there in your dilemma. But friend, today God wants you to know that his hand is still with you right now. His anointing is on you, and his glory is in you. And he wants to bless you today and strengthen you today, restore you and refresh you. Why? Because he chose you. You're chosen. Now, Jesus said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you, and I will call you friend. I can't think of anything better than being a friend of God. I can't think of anything better. And so if you're here today and you're not abiding in him, in other words, you have sin in your life, I want you to know today Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He's choosing you today. Will you let him in? Will you allow him to choose you? If you need to be forgiven of sin today, you know there's sin in your life, things that aren't pleasing to God, would you raise your hand? He's knocking, and you have decided that you're going to open the door. You have sin in your life. You need to be forgiven. Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Maybe here today and you're a Christian. And perhaps you're going through a pruning process. Things have been difficult. And you need to be reminded that you've been chosen. Today, you need to be reminded that your body is blessed, your children are blessed, your house is blessed, even that your cat is blessed. You need that reminder today. So if you need that reminder, if you need to know that you're chosen, that God holds you in the palm of your hand, would you raise your hand? Yeah. It can be tough out in that world. Yeah, yeah, all of us. My hand's up. I need to be reminded of that. Satan wants nothing more than to sever you from the vine. And the way he'll do it is to make you forget that God chose you and he will bless you. Stand on your feet with me, if you would, please. Altar workers, elders, would you come?